Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Happy Cinco de Mayo. How many of you are glad about that? See, I'm a Texas girl. Cinco de Mayo means the good food comes out. So not so exciting in Kentucky. But we are glad that you are here today. How many of you are glad to be in God's house and be with your people? I tell you what, we have a great serve fair going on out there. If you haven't partaken in the goodies, I, I, there is some incredible stuff out there. Uh, but also, so many opportunities to serve. And I tell you, serving changed my life. It changed everything that I thought I knew about church, or that I would have thought that I could that would that church was serving. Changed that. It gave me an ability to look at people, to learn from people, to see them, to hear them. It changed my complete direction in life. It changed everything for me. And you say, Jesse, you're, uh, you know, you're a pastor, you're a full-time ministry person. I'm telling you, Brian and I served way before we were ever doing this in our life. We were still uh, young and we learned so, so much through just putting our hand to the plow. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but it's a whole lot harder to find fault with things whenever you are invested in them. Isn't it? How many of you have a harder time seeing the bad in your kids than, than other people? Yeah, because they're awesome, right? Yeah. But it's because you're invested in them. They are yours. They belong to you. So whenever things come up, you have a lot more grace, a lot more ability to overlook those things. Some of us more than others, right? But God is so good to let us, when we invest into something, it changes us. It changes our perspective. And we're no longer looking at what so-and-so could do with that. We're now looking at, man, this is incredible. I didn't know this much went into making all of these things happen. So we encourage everyone to serve. And at this church, we have a policy. It's called serve one, sit one. If you haven't been a part of his church for long, you'll find that to be the case. Serve one, sit one is our policy. Jesse, what is serve one, sit one? That means that everybody serves, uh, every hand is put to the plow, and then everyone gets a chance to sit and feast on the word of God and get full. Because we like people to be new, have all the nutrients of God's word and be fed well, but we also want to make sure that every Christian get a, gets a chance to exercise. Because how many of you know if we all eat but we don't put out any of those calories, we become obese? The same thing happens in the spirit realm. If you eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, but you never move your body in the spirit, then you become spiritually obese. And we believe in healthy Christians, so we got to have a chance to serve one and a chance to sit one and feast on the word of God so that we can be healthy as we love on others. I tell you what, though, it, it, there's a, a scripture in the Bible that says, as one man sharpens another, I, I, I'm sorry, uh, 
as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And you will find that when you serve alongside one another, man, there is good things that you learn from people. You look, you watch them go through life. You're like, man, I don't know if I would have handled that as good as they did. I'm learning something from them. They're more mature in that area of their spiritual walk than I am. And you're watching and you're learning and you're gathering things as you go through the field. And then on the other hand, you'll have someone serve alongside of you that does it the exact opposite that you would do it. And you are irritated by them. And even that good rub God has in the plan. And he makes it where every single one of us learn to enjoy and appreciate the parts of the body that God has placed in his house. And so I encourage you to go to those booths, ask them questions. I mean, give them all the questions you have. Don't lay off of them till you are satisfied. Make them go find you an answer if they don't know the answer. And if you're already part of a team here, but you think you might enjoy serving in another one, don't be afraid to hop on over to the next one. There is no boundaries in this church. You can serve here and then go serve there and you can go until you find the perfect spot for you and for your family. We are excited to have you be a part of that. My name's Jesse Gibson. I am excited today that I get to do the second part of the series that Brian started last week. Brian began to preach on the names of God and he only got through one name and that was the name of Jesus. How many of you think Jesus deserves his own week? I think that's a pretty good spend of time. If we're spending one whole week on the name of Jesus, I'm in. Because, man, that is a powerful name. Every other God, you can say God, you can say God's, you can say any other form of that. People use the man upstairs, different things like that. Nobody gets nervous. It never gets uncomfortable. Everybody seems at ease. Man, the minute you say the name of Jesus, every ear is open. Because that name is different than every other name. It's a different name. It's the powerful name. It's the name that set every single one of us free from sin and bondage. It is the name that is above every other name. And I tell you what, I was on a plane yesterday and I was talking about Jesus and Jesus either gets two responses. It's a, it is a polarizing name. Either people want to run away or they want to run to you. I had one running to me and one trying to get away. It was wonderful. I love it. They are a captive audience on that plane. You want away from me, you got to go to the airport bathroom and that is not a fun place to stay. So I try to talk about Jesus every chance I get with people because when you're longing in your heart for more, there's only one name that will satisfy that hunger. And we are called by God to let people know the name of Jesus. So let's go on to the other names today. We're going to have a fun time. You're going to learn to pronounce some of them that maybe you didn't even know. We're going to do it in our own West Kentucky way today. And it's going to be a great day. I want you to go with me to Proverbs 18 and verse 10. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Proverbs 18. In verse 10, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous. How many of you are righteous in this room? You've been made righteous by God. So go ahead and lift your hand up if you're a believer. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Proverbs 18 in verse 10. 
You know, names are powerful. God illustrated this by giving himself many, many, many names. Why did God not just call himself one thing? Because he wanted each name to fulfill a a desire on the inside of us to understand who he is in his core. The attributes of God are displayed in these names, and they are incredible. Every name means something. You know, name meaning is a big deal. God started this tradition in our faith by giving himself names that mean certain things so that when we call out to that name, we will remember the promise of God. And then as we speak that name, we also put God in remembrance of who he is. Every name means something for a reason. God knew that we would need to be reminded of his great faithfulness. And you know, in our life, in, in this world that we live in, we have names. How many of you have a name? <clears throat> a lot of people have a name. It's kind of common. <clears throat> some people only have two names. Some people have three names. Your mama uses all of them, right? I have three kids. My first child is 12. Her name is Briley Grace Gibson. Each one of our kids were named specifically on purpose for a reason. We didn't just on a whim name a kid. We didn't just like find our favorite rock star and slap it on them. You know, it was like, this was a big deal in our house. Now, when you have two theology majors naming children, it can get complicated. We had lots of uh, discussion about what each name would mean and why and how and if it, what it would be. And in fact, when we had Justice, our second child, they wanted us to leave the hospital. Well, you can't leave the hospital until you've named your child. This is a process that you have almost 10 months to fulfill, and yet we had not picked one yet. So they wanted to kick us out of the hospital. They were done with us. We had taken all the care that they wanted to give us, and they wanted us to leave. The only problem was we didn't have a name for our son, and Brian was not willing to pick a name for his son in an urgent need to get out of the hospital. So he looked at him and he said, we're not going to leave yet because I can't pick a name. I said, you don't understand. He's not going to pick a name until he hears from God on the right one. I know that sounds strange, but I'm just explaining to you what's going to happen here. The lady said, we need you to go. I said, well, you might need to charge us for another day because we aren't leaving until he gets the answer that he's looking for. So this was a big deal to Brian, and he's always been this way about names. And he had two names that he wanted to name our son, and he was walking the halls. Of course, he's a pastor, and he's a pastor in a small community. So every time he'd go on a walk to pray and ask the Lord about Justice's name, someone would pull him in to pray for their aunt. And then someone else would pull him in to pray for their grandpa. And then someone else would pull him in to pray for their sister. And every time he would leave, I would say, don't talk to anybody but God. Just get the answer. They're bothering me. He said, I don't care about any of those people. All I care about is that this kid has to go through the whole life with this name. It's important, Jesse. I said, then I need you to focus. He was not focused. He was everywhere but focused. And so here I am laying in a bed wanting to go home because I'd had enough. And he is still picking a name. Each one of our kids... Their name is special. It means something to us. And so the first one came. Her name's Briley Grace Gibson. Now, Briley's name, uh, we got it the day before we went into the hospital to have her. And her name means the remover, the gracious remover of the thorn from the field. 
Now, that might not mean much to you, but the Bible talks about the word of God being sown into hearts and that immediately after the word is sown, the thorns come and they try to squelch the word out. And we gave Briley a name that meant that she would go in when the word had been sown and that she would graciously remove the thorns so that the word of God could grow in people's hearts. And so every time I call her name, I'm calling her gracious remover of the thorn from the field. Every time I speak over her, her name, Briley Gibson. That's what I'm saying to her. Even when I'm in the heat of the moment, I say, gracious remover of the thorn from the field, right? She's in junior high now. Briley Grace Gibson. When your mama called you all your names, she was reminding you of everything that God had planned for you. You just thought she was calling out all your names, but she was calling out what she was speaking over you. My son, Justice, we had had a miscarriage before. We were pregnant with him. It was a a kind of a tragic time for us and a hard time for us. And we found ourselves in a meeting where a prophet got up and he spoke and he said, over our lives, he didn't even know that he was speaking to us, but he said, there's someone in the room, he described our situation, and he said, God will deliver justice to your situation, and you will never be ashamed again. And whenever I became pregnant with him, we already knew that his name would be Justice. It was the second name that Brian was traveling the halls trying to find. But his name means God heard our cry and delivered justice, Justice Samuel Gibson. Now, my littlest one, Chapel, she is uh, our, we call her dessert. There was an appetizer, the main meal, and now she is dessert. She is the final. And Chapel means uh, 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 that I will serve in God's house, and he is my oath, Chapel Elizabeth Gibson. That's because we wanted each of our children to understand that they were called to serve in God's house, fulfill God's vision in the house of God, support God's vision, pay for God's vision, work in God's vision, that the church was the only thing that God was building on the earth. And so we named her after that, and she thinks she's famous because she sees her name in every airport that we're in, and she thinks that that's cool. Uh, We haven't even taken her to the hospital yet. Her mind would be blown if she saw the hospital uh, signage, but she thinks chapel is for her everywhere that we go. So each kid has their own name, and we started this tradition in our family, and it's been a tradition obviously throughout decades, I mean, really thousands and thousands of years for people to name their people. But it's because we speak that name every single day and it matters what we call somebody because it not only speaks life over them, you know, nobody names their kids something that means like the village idiot. There's nobody that's going to pick the village idiot as their kid's name, right? Because we all want something that's strong and fulfills something, but also to remind them of who they are called to be, to call out the greatness on the inside of them. And so God had this in place so that we could participate. I want you to say the first name with me today. Look at your neighbor and call, and call God's name out. Just say Jehovah Shalom. The Lord, our peace. Shalom means the Lord, our peace. Nothing missing, Nothing broken, totally whole. How many of you think that sounds like a good life? Nothing missing, nothing broken, totally whole. Jehovah Shalom, he is the Lord, our peace. I want you to go with me this morning to Judges 6 and verse 23 through 24. It says, then the Lord said to him, peace be with you, do not fear. You shall not die. 
So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, and he called that altar, the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still an Ophrah of the Abirozites. Judges 6 and verse 23. I'm telling you, God is the God of peace. And if you've ever lived in a world where there is no peace, you know how amazing it is to dwell in peace. When you have lived and dwelt in chaos and confusion, you hunger for a place of peace. When you have lived in sin and every wretched thing, you come to Jesus and that peace surrounds you, man. You know that your life has just changed. Whenever there is chaos and confusion in everyone else, but you have become a believer who has called on the name of the Lord, and now that peace is able to dwell in you. The Bible says that you can have a peace that passes every human understanding that it can guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Do you know you're called to be representatives of God and you're called to dwell and to be who God is because you are little Christ or Christians. You are the small version of to the world seeing who God is, a representative, someone that reflects God's very nature. Here you are and God is looking to show the world who he is through you. He is the God of peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken, totally whole. God wants to bring peace to your life. I tell you, when I was a little girl, I had no peace. I was a worrier. I was anxious. I would, I just, I would fret over everything. And really there wasn't a reason behind it, except for that my nature was just very uptight. There were things going on in my life, but I'm sure other kids had these same things and they didn't have the same issues. My stomach began to hurt like crazy and I could not get it to stop. And so my parents took me to the doctor and the doctor reported that I had what was starting to be an ulcer in my stomach. I was probably only about nine years old, so it was kind of crazy that I had even recognized that there was enough in life to be worried over, but I was taking life a little bit hard. How many of you are shocked that I was a little intense as a child? And everything would just come at me, and I would get worked up, and I would get very intense about everything. And so Really, my parents had no idea what to do, and there wasn't a lot of help to be had. And I went on, and I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I knew I needed help. And God was gracious to me. In that one night, I was asleep in a hotel. My dad used to pastor in Nebraska before he pastored in Texas. And whenever uh, he left there and went to pastor in Texas, we would go back almost on a yearly basis and preach in that church. And my dad would minister, and we would get to go with him so that I could see where I was born, and they would use it kind of as a history lesson for me. And I remember laying in that hotel one night and being asleep and knowing that the room was dark, and then all of a sudden the room lit up. And I opened my eyes, and I saw a being that looked like a man, a very strong warrior man that was twice the size of a normal human man, One of the biggest men I've ever seen, he was probably still twice that size. The ceiling cut him off at his shoulders so I couldn't see his face, but I could see heavenly colors. It was like gold, but rainbow, but silver, but clear, but pearl. It was a strange heavenly color that I've never seen on the earth. And he stood with his arms broad and he looked like a warrior. And I was not afraid of him. I kept closing my eyes. You know, kids do funny things and I was just playing with it. Like, I wonder if he'll go away if I close my eyes and open them. 
And then all of a sudden, the angel didn't speak to me at all. But in my heart, I heard God's voice, and he spoke to me, and he said something to me. He said, you don't have to be afraid. I'm always going to take care of you. When God said that, a supernatural peace overwhelmed me in a way that I cannot express to you except to tell you that the ulcer went away, the anxiety left, peace came, and for the rest of my life, even until today, I'm not really a worrier. I have great peace in my life. There have been times that it tried to creep back in, but I reminded that thing of who my God was. He's the God of peace, and he said that I don't have to worry, that he's going to take care of me. Now, I have news for you. That didn't just happen for me. That happened, I believe, because God knew that I would stand before hundreds and hundreds of people and I would say something to them like I'm about to say to you today that God is no respecter of persons and if you have anxiety and a lack of peace in your life he will show up you do not have to worry he is always going to take care of you God is the God of peace and he is here for you today Shalom is a derivative of Solomon. It was actually the most peaceful and prosperous time in that nation. And so people remember Solomon as a peaceful time, as a, as a great time in their history. And so from that came the word shalom, the Lord is peace. Let's go to the next one. Turn to your neighbor and say Jehovah Jireh. Oh, this reminds me of music in the 80s in church. It is so exciting. If you were a part of that era, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They would sing Jehovah Jireh, maybe even to the late 90s for some of those churches that didn't listen to the new music coming out. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. They were very, very warrior-esque in those songs back in the 80s. And uh, it sounded like that. But I tell you, the Lord... Our provider, we find it in Genesis 22 as Abraham went up to the mountain that God had called him to go and sacrifice his one and only son that he believed God for and just stood in faith for. And here he was with this son in his arms and he's taking him up this mountain in this very strange text that we find in scripture. We find him obeying God to go lay his only son on an altar as a sacrifice symbolizing that God was the most important person and that he would not refrain from offering him anything. Can you even imagine the kind of pressure that he was under? But this name of God actually means God that sees ahead and provides for you. The God that sees ahead and provides for you. How many of you have ever been on a journey that felt like you were going up the hill to make a sacrifice that you weren't ready to make, that you weren't sure about? How many of you have ever questioned God's plan for your life and the journey and the path and the direction? And it's like, God, this isn't at all what I had in mind. I don't think that this is right. You know, it's easy to follow God in all the yeses, but when there's a no from God or a wait a minute or we're not going to do that just yet or God forbid your friend gets to go on the easier path up the mountain and you have to take the heavy route, there is a question that comes up on the inside of us that says, "Is God? does God have my best interests at heart? 
And it was very important to God that we understand that he was the God that not only provides, but the God that even in the process looked ahead and made sure that there was already provision waiting for us on the other side of our obedience. That day he got to the top of the mountain and he was willing and ready to do what God had asked him to do. And God already had provision. He had a ram in the thicket. He had him stuck there rustling around and he looked over and he realized that God had made provision for him when it looked like all hope was lost and like everything that he desired was going to go away and he was willing to do it God's way. God made provision for him so that we could have the symbolism of how hard it would be for a dad to lay down his one and only son as we would later see in the New Testament with Jesus and obviously our God. He showed that symbolism and yet he provided a way of escape. You see, God wanted us to know that we were supposed to be the son that was sacrificed, but God didn't leave it there. He brought a sacrificial animal, a sacrificial lamb, the Bible calls it. What was his name? His name was Jesus, and he was the sacrifice that was already ahead, and God supplemented him for us. He took us off the altar and gave Jesus instead. And because of that blood, the sinless blood of Jesus, you and I can now claim the names of Jesus, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah, uh, Jehovah Shalom, and Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. The next one is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord, our healer. Everyone say Jehovah Rapha. In Exodus 15, verse 26, Exodus 15 and verse 26, it says, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I'll just let that sink in for one good second. I am the Lord that heals you. But I saw someone die once after they were prayed for. I am the Lord that heals you. But it runs in my family, Jesse. I am the Lord that heals you. Well, I haven't seen it, and I've been believing for a really long time. I am the Lord that heals you. See, our situation and our circumstance does not change what the Word of God says. If you set your theology by your experience, you're going to be one confused person. But if we just decide and just settle the issue that the Bible is true and that circumstance has absolutely nothing to do with deciding its validity, then we have positioned ourselves to call out to a name that we actually believe in. He is the Lord that heals us. Now in this scripture, he's saying that he won't put the diseases on you that he put on, on the Egyptians because you are his people. Do you know that you have the right to claim healing virtue over your family and over your household when you're a believer? No matter what circumstances tell us, no matter what our feelings feel, 
The other day, my daughter had on a shirt. They say, it says, feelings come and feelings go. How many of you think that's a pretty good thing to tell a junior high kid? Feelings come and feelings go, but God remains the same. I've had sickness in my body, even prolonged sickness at times, but God is the God that heals. Our circumstances do not determine who our God is. Our God determines who our God is. And if we'll call his name and trust in it. That's why they call us people of faith. Not people of circumstances. Not people of this is where I am. Not people of my mama told me. Not the people of my grandma said it. We're the people of God. We were called by his name. And God has given us the right to use it for his glory and for our life. And we need to know what he is so that we can remind him, put him in remembrance. But also that we can be reminded every single day he is the God that heals. I'll tell you this, sometimes people want, how many of you have ever noticed that misery loves company? Just because misery loves company does not mean that misery gets company. Just means that it loves company. I remember being in the hospital with our second son. Second son, we only have one son. <laughs> second child. And here I was, I had preeclampsia, and I'm laying in the hospital with high blood pressure. And I had an aunt, our cousin, I don't even know what she is, our family's big. She has never come to visit me, come to my church, been any part of my life, or ever even been around when any of my children were born, had a birthday, nothing. We have no relationship outside of the fact that I got sick and she was pumped about it. She showed up at that hospital Shoulders squared, so excited. I mean, you would have thought that I just won the lottery. She walked into my hospital room and she said, oh, Jesse, I hear you have high blood pressure. I'm thinking, what is your name? I don't know. It, I know we're related. I've seen you at Family Affairs, but it's, we're far off, okay? She says to me, oh, your uncle, your grandpa, your grandma, your cousin, and I, we all have high blood pressure. It runs in the family, and you're going to have high blood pressure too. You need to know that. I said, I'm sorry, but I don't think that you can stay in here if you're going to talk like that. Because in this room, we speak faith. And I'm going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord, and so is this baby, and this blood pressure is going down, and it's never going to return because I am the healed of the Lord. I have a God that heals me. She said, well, I won't talk about it then. I said, well, then you can stay. But you have to realize, I don't, my grandpa died at 30 of a heart attack. Jesse's not dying anytime soon. I've got a lot to do for Jesus. I don't have my grandpa's heart. I have my heavenly father's heart. I am the healed of the Lord and great shall be my peace. You've got to make up your mind. Your whole family has mental illness. So what? You just entered a new kingdom and a new family. And you can say over yourself, I have a God that is a healer. And I don't have to be mentally ill. I don't have to be physically ill. You might have to use some wisdom steps to walk in the promises of God. Some things that you might have to do with your body that you don't like, like swallow a vegetable. But my goodness, you can get in the promises of God. God has a plan and a purpose for us. He is the God that heals us. Will you turn with me to one more scripture? We're going to give you one more name of God. I hope you're taking notes today. These are great. 
to speak over your life. And if you weren't in church in the 80s and you don't know any songs, you're going to need to just say them. Jehovah Sid Canoe, the Lord, our righteousness. How many of you are so glad that our righteousness does not depend on what family we came out of? How many of you are pumped that God prepared the way where there was no way for you? He is your right standing. You had no right to be in the throne room, but now you come boldly to the throne of grace and you obtain favor to help you in your time of need. You are righteous in the eyes of God because he is Jehovah Sid Canoe. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called. Jeremiah 23, 6, it says, The Lord our righteousness. I want you to turn to your neighbor today and say, Jehovah Sid Canoe. It's a hard one, I know. Go ahead and turn to him. Jehovah Sid Canoe. The Lord our righteousness. He is our right standing. He is the reason that we're able to dwell in this place and be the reminder of God and be reminded of who he is. Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, and then finally Jehovah Sid Canoe, the Lord our righteousness. We are not good enough on our own, but he is good enough for every single one of us. His righteousness overshadows your lack of rightness. God knew that you would be full of sin because he saw from the beginning of time that even though he wanted to dwell with us, that that same devil that was in heaven taking they would actually sing and, and worship God and the glory of God would go through him and to God and be amplified. And he began to think that he needed the glory instead of God. Do you know we are never more demonic than when we believe we receive the glory and it's more important that we receive it than it is that God receives it. The devil fell from heaven that day as he rebelled against the plan of God and that same rebellion and the fact that misery loves company tried to come into that garden and destroy all humanity forever. He talked Adam and Eve to it, but God said, absolutely not. This will not end here. I will fight for my people. And even in the midst of our rebellion, even when we didn't deserve to be loved, even when we didn't earn anything, God chose to give us his righteousness, his cleanliness, his purity, his right standing in the place of everything that we couldn't change because we weren't capable of our own. And the blood of Jesus covered us and it changed each and every one of our trajectory forever. And all we do is decide that he is the Lord, the owner and the controller. You say, Jesse, the owner and the controller. The owner and the controller. Americans hate those words. The owner and the controller. That means God gets to do whatever he chooses to do with you. He is the Lord, the owner and the controller. But when you give up your right to be in control, when you give up your right to be the Lord of your life and you allow him to be the Lord of your life, something incredible happens. Then you get the right to call 
on the name of Jesus and be saved. You get the right to stand right before God. And when you find yourself in that position, God gives you the luxury of using his name for the things that he has already approved for you, provision, peace, healing, and righteousness. And just like in the olden days when a great man or a great king would not be able to go, but he would send someone out in his name, he would give them a signet ring and they would take that ring and anything that they said needed to be done, they would end it with an impression from that ring and immediately it was as if that king had said it himself and everyone would go into work mode. God gave you the right as a believer in Jesus to come with God's name and to end what you need in this life, what you need to call out for, what you are requesting, what needs to be done. You have sickness in your body, you don't go in the name of Jesse, that gets nothing done. But whenever we come in the name of Jesus, we say body, you get in line with the word of God that says that you are the healed of the Lord. You come in line with what God said, with what God said that my body should do. I'm going to do what I can do in the natural. God's going to do the rest. Body, I speak to you in the name. Get ready. We're going to use our ring in the name of Jesus be done and every demon has to bow and every sickness has to bow at the name of Jesus that paid the price for you. See, you're royalty, you're Jesus's people. You are God's kids and you now have the right to sign that it is yours in the name of of Jesus. Some of you grew up in houses that you couldn't just use someone's name and get someone done because the name wasn't effective. But you came into a new family now and I want you to understand your authority. Your authority in Christ is incredible. You don't have to ask and you don't have to plead. You get to tell the devil and every demon what to do and you get to call on the name of Jesus and you get to do things and be effective in this life and in the spirit realm, not because you earned it or you deserve it, but because God is Jehovah Sitkanu and he is the Lord, your righteousness, you have power that has been given to you by God. It is not earned, but it is a wonderful thing. How many of you are so grateful that God made a way for you where there was no way before? I'm gonna tell you that if you could stay for the next eight hours, I could keep on preaching to you about the names of God. It's one of the most incredible things that we get a, the privilege and the honor as preachers to give and to speak on is the names of God. Because in doing so, we empower believers to understand who God is. And then you don't just learn about God or experience God in the sanctuary, but you take it home around your table. And whenever peace seems to be nowhere, you call out and you are reminded, oh, but God is the God of this house and he is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. That means that in this house, nothing is missing, nothing is broken and we are completely whole. I don't care how crazy you kids act. We are not broken, we are completely whole. 
You just keep on confessing it till it comes up in the reality of your life. And I'm telling you that years and years and years of serving Jesus, one of the disciplines that has brought us the furthest in this life is learning to use that powerful name for what God has already approved. And we just take out our signet ring and stamp it and say, God, we agree. I want to tell you one more thing today. I didn't share this with the first service, but I feel like I'm supposed to share it with you, so I'm going to. One more thing, and then we're going to end today. When my parents were young, they were incredibly, incredibly poor. And they were trying to serve God, and they had gone and went to try to go to Bible school. They didn't end up going. They were working jobs. They were having a tough time making ends meet. They didn't really have enough food. They didn't have a lot of things. And long story short, I won't go into all the details, but my mom just decided that it was not the will of God that they be without food, that God had a better plan for that than she was living in. And before she felt like she just had to say, you know, whatever will be, will be, it's okay. God, whatever your will is. But one day she said, wait a second, I know God's will, it's in his word. And it's that he is my provider. He sees ahead and he provides. He never created me to live in this life of poverty. She decided to agree with God. Instead of fight God with her words, she decided to agree with God. And she hadn't meant to be negative about it or not believing or not in faith. It was just kind of a part of her faith tradition. And all of a sudden something hit her like, man, I can believe God for this. He says, he's my provision. And so she said, God, I am asking you for this and I am asking you to do it for me and my family. They needed milk. And not just a few minutes after she agreed with the word of God, a lady showed up on her doorstep and said, I'm so sorry, my mom is so embarrassing, but we're going on vacation. My mom has this whole gallon of milk and she won't let us leave because it's gonna rot in the refrigerator and she's making me offer it to you as just a little teenage girl. And she handed my mom this gallon of milk and my mom said, oh, thank you. I, we'll put it to you somehow. She was prideful. She shut the door and fell on the floor and wept and thanked God because of his provision. And he, real, she realized and he expressed to her in so many words, you finally agreed with me and got in faith with what I wanted for you all along. When you came into agreement with what I already promised, I was released to move on your behalf. I want to encourage you today that if you haven't been in faith about what God wanted you to have, maybe you were doing it out of a good heart. God's got bigger fish to fry. Guess what? You are his fish. He's got plenty, plenty of oil to go around. He can fry all the fish on the same day. God is big enough. Today, I want to encourage you, get in faith. Believe God. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. Release him to give into your life what you need by believing him for what he already said that he would do. Will you stand on your feet this morning? Father, I thank you. I don't know who that story was for, but we all stayed for it, and I'm believing they're going home and they're getting what they came after today. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. We love you. I bless these people. I ask God that as they go, that they would go in faith and not fear, in belief and not doubt, that their lives and that their homes would be changed by the Spirit of the Word. In Jesus' name.